Hello, everyone. My name is Suki Thompson. Welcome to Reset, the podcast, a place for you to get some inspiration and advice to help you live a more fulfilling work life. I do hope that your journey to feel more connected, more inspired, just a bit more energized starts here. Take a moment now with me to reset. Every time I speak to David Enright, Marketing Director at the Post Office, I feel a sense of calm motivation coming over me. Not two words which we often hear together. David has played a major role in many iconic brands, including HSBC, NatWest, and now the Post Office. And he shares with me how he's inspired himself by helping those iconic brands like these to be able to offer people the brand when they need it, and the human stories that come from this. We cover so many things in the conversation. He is both open and honest. And I'm sure David won't mind me describing him as a truly modern marketeer, an open, kind, gentle, considered, and very self-aware leader. As I did, I'm sure you'll enjoy listening to David and take a lot away from our conversation. Enjoy. David, so lovely to see you today. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling amazing, Suki. Uh, thank you so much for the invite into your beautiful podcasts. Uh, I hope we're going to have a really good conversation. But I'm feeling absolutely over the moon. The sun is shining in London, uh, which has been a long—it's been a long time coming, I think. But certainly, uh, we, the blossom on the trees and uh, everything else. I think spring I is finally springing into oh. action. Isn't it interesting, even though we know that the weather makes such a difference to us, it's so bizarre that it just does. Yeah, I mean, I live in, you know, I live in the central of London, uh, in Brixton, um, and the smiles that I see on people's faces, I was walking the dog uh, earlier, and just people are in a much happier mood. They're smiling and they're sat in the sunshine having having a coffee and things like that. it just makes a huge difference, doesn't it? The the sort of vitamin D and, and everything yeah, else. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it absolutely it. does. And I think it's so important that when the weather is good, even when the weather's bad, that we go out, we make those moments in time because it's so easy, isn't it? We've talked about this so much to be on Zoom calls, in meetings, you go to the office now and we just don't go outside. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I was, we, we um, at the post office, um we we implemented some really good measures you know um one of those was reducing meeting hours to i think we've we've talked about this before as well you know so rather than the half an hour or the hour have a 45 minute or have a 20 minute conversation um and we also introduced what we call an empower hour um which was an hour in every day actually that people could just really focus on themselves Um, good and how does that work How's that worked for you? Oh, for me, it's been a it's been absolutely fantastic because I think it's like exactly as you describe. You know, sometimes you're not in control of your day. Um, people are putting in 
people sort of need your help and advice or support and you know depending upon how many people um you interact with on a on a daily basis they could just control your life um so, <laughs> so having having that and having that space where um everybody could have be a bit respectful for people's time really made a difference to me um and I was always quite lucky you know having a having a dog and I'll always promote having a dog because it does get you out in all weathers you know it didn't uh, um and I think that's just one of those things that it could it helped me get out more um and even just going for a walk and having a conversation with somebody as I was walking around just made a huge difference um, yeah yeah uh, what, what sort of dog have you got um we have a Havanese um Havanese? yeah so a Havanese it's um it's for a dog from Cuba um so the easiest way to remember it is the city Havana um okay. and um it's from the Bichon Frise family group uh-huh. um but yeah, Google Havanese and uh, well, send me a then, picture and we will post it on our social. I would, and if he was Everyone here, I'd just hold him up so that you could see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I have a cockapoo. Well, Jasmine has a cockapoo, but obviously she's left home, so I have a cockapoo now. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I never really wanted a dog, but it has. It's changed our lives. They've been amazing, amazing, amazing. I think just that do you know when somebody's just like. Uh, just so happy to see you all the time and uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> they love you no matter listen, what don't they listen, they just listens do. to you so it understands your sort of emotion and your emotions and I think you know as human beings often we sort of sometimes we don't li- you know sometimes we don't we're, we're, so, we're so focused on different things that we don't always either show we're listening or have those emotional interactions whereas certainly dogs I think and cats to some degree do so yeah I agree I agree so David we've got lots to talk about I'm going to talk a little bit about work first because um you're one of those I would call well you're you're a modern marketer in so many ways but you came up through the very much the kind of digital background now obviously head of marketing at the post office but what's that been like because it's it's much more we see although I'm still surprised that we haven't had as many digitally focused marketeers become the overall kind of CMO of organizations yeah you're right um and thank you for that um I don't often I don't often reflect on the fact that I'm quite a modern marketeer um um, I think I've been. I think I was actually really lucky, you know, um, in my career, and um, I followed. I just. I think I just followed my heart and my head um, in terms of, you know, when I started my career at HSBC, um, I was working with really great people, trying to transform customer experiences. Um, and just because I happened to be in IT at the time, implementing some major change programs uh, uh, all all designed to benefit the the customer at the end of the day Um, it sort of really set me up in terms of my career in in sort of what I would say is really wanting to do the right thing for people and for customers and leveraging at the time technology to make life easier 
And we're talking that maybe over 20 years ago now. Mm. Um, Which is so interesting, isn't it? Because I, I'm fascinated, as you know, we, we love this conversation, don't we, about customer journey around the kind of whole customer experience. But I think, again, the whole use of IT, I think we've become more familiar with it. Marketers tend to talk more around kind of CRM and programs. But from the background you came from, it really is looking at that kind of transformation using technology to transform. Um, how's that helped you? Well, I also think it's like when you really focus on the customer and you focus on the pain points and you really understand the customer journey and what tool, what, how are they achieving what they need to achieve? Um, that once you sort of map that out and then you look and you overlay the technologies that enable that to happen and where there may, may be not tech, there may be no technology to enable that to happen and it's, it's something slightly different then you can see how it's all interconnected. Um, and that's the only way really that you can really understand, well, what value can I drive by investing in certain technology or investing in, um, you know, changing, you know, removing some frictions. Um, maybe that's just changing the, you know, speed of answer of, somebody answering the phone for example um, yeah. or provide or providing a different options you know whether it's whatsapp or any of the new you know any not necessarily new now but any you know any of the any of the new chat uh, chat opportunities um but i think it just re- it doesn't it doesn't really matter which sort of industry you might work in or which vertical let's say because at the end of the day you've still got to understand well what does the customer what is the customer thinking, feeling, doing? What is it? What job are they wanting to do? And how can you help them achieve that? Um, and that ranges from people to processes to technology. It's a, mm-hmm. it's quite, a, it's, it's probably quite a f- formulaic way of thinking about it, but still, mm-hmm. putting the putting the customer right at the heart of it yes. is yes. the important part of it. Yes. And we're going to talk about post office specifically, but up until maybe that role, is there a was there a a, um, a customer journey that you're either most proud of, or has been the most challenging, or you've just learnt the most from? Oh, that's. Um, I think one of the ones that I read, that always sticks out to me was when I was working with HS on HSBC Premier, yeah. um, and. Um, I don't know if you if you were a HSBC customer, especially if you're an international customer. So you might have come. From I was. Overseas. Well, I used to live in Hong Kong, and uh, uh, HSBC. <laughs> yeah. No, wow. Well. Um, but so you'll know, you know, like it was really difficult to transfer if you move countries. Um, it would be really difficult for you to open a bank account. <laughs> um, because you needed to prove who you are. You needed to have an address. You needed to, you know. So you just, and you needed all this documentation and you might not have any of that documentation when you come to this, come to a different country. Um, So it was a challenge that we identified for people to open bank accounts when they came into the country. And it led to, at the time, as developing um, HSBC Passport account. So it was, it was a new, it was a new proposition for, people who found it really difficult to open a bank account when they came to the UK. So we removed we, through that sort of 
through that transformation, we remove some of the complicated sort of documentation and things like that that people needed to produce in order to open something such as sort of, as we all know, it's quite basic to open um, bank account. And that was all from understanding international people who move internationally and some of the challenges they have with um, banking um, and transferring banking. Mm, mm, Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. And then did you have a moment of a kind of career reset? Because, I mean, you've moved around, not not a huge amount, I would say. Um, But have you had that moment where, because I talk a lot to people about, should you stay in a job for a long time? Should you move? How does it work? And I just wondered, you know, if there's a, a kind of reset moment for you where you've gone, okay, this is the right time for me to move because of... X or Y? Yeah, I think I think I was lucky when I, I was lucky I had a mentor when I started my career. Um, uh, yeah, so it was um, it was a it was a guy called Peter Simpson. Um, oh, yeah. So you know Peter, yeah. So and it, it was it was really good. I, I remember when I went to see him one time at First Direct, and um, he always gave me. It's it one of those you know when you remember one of those pieces of advices, and it's just stuck with me. Um, and and he, he said to me, in terms of like career development, it was always every sort of 18 to 24 months, maybe sort of max to three years, is think is start to think about what's, what's next in terms of your career. Um, and, and label that on the basis that, you know, within sort of 12 to maybe 12 to 18 months, you're sort of getting to the point where you in your in your job you're sort of achieving you're at the the height of what you can achieve and so you're naturally then thinking well what what tends to happen is you either start to get bored or you start you so your motivation starts to drop and therefore your performance starts to drop so it was always that sort of tipping point which is in my career every sort of two and a half three years I've sort of done that reset and I've looked to see what what's the next thing I should be doing. Um, and an example of that is when I, I, I moved from Allianz, the global insurer, to post office. Um, because at the time I'd always worked in financial services insurance yes. for the majority of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was at this pivot in, I was sort of seven years in Allianz, but three, circa two and a half years into the job I was doing yeah. and I was and I was getting that I wouldn't say that itch again but I was getting in my psyche was well what am I going to be doing next and I thought to myself you know I've never worked in the retail industry um, yeah. and wouldn't how exciting this would actually be if I could and I think post office gives me or gave me that um foot into sort of a retail business um given the breadth and depth of propositions that post office deal with Mm. yes and as you know i love the post office i've worked um i think for about 14 years on and off with the post office through lots of different marketing directors and I, i and it you know i think it's a real privilege isn't it and you've worked at that where she works with some amazing brands but to be in a brand that's the kind of fabric of our society 
is a real privilege, but with it also comes quite a lot of responsibility. And, you know, this has been a really challenging time. Um, and I just wonder how that's felt. Oh, I, I just feel so proud of the post office. Um, um, every single day, um, people are delivering some amazing uh, work. Um, postmasters supporting the most vulnerable customers in society, helping them with their energy bills and energy payments, um, given the energy crisis. Yeah. Um, to supporting small businesses who are trading in cash, um, where perhaps the, the, the local branch on the high street is closed, mm. um, to supporting, you know, uh, the trust or trust for those, you know, people, people who don't have enough money for food and, you know, like yeah. food banks and so on. Um, I just think, and to your point about the post office, it's such an iconic brand. You know, it's circa four hundred years old. Um, it's, um, it's. I just feel like um, when I ask the question, you know, does everybody know who the most people know who the post office are? Um, and I've got stories to share. Yeah. Stories where either they've grown up and you know they they got their first stamp from you know from the post office or um it's there's just so many stories in the history and they just um uh and it's so and i feel so proud to be part of that um, mm. um and what do you do internally to celebrate some of those or to share those stories of some of the amazing things that people do um we have like um it's really nice we have like recognition walls and we have um we produce we produce um let's just say um produce videos of um those experiences where you've perhaps got post post the postmaster the customer the colleague all talking and working on a working on a particular activity or solution um and we bring that to life in in our offices and locations and and so on so um i, I think if you walk you, you know you've walked into the post office and um you look, the first thing you'll see is our iconic sort of logo um uh which is um in the lgbtq plus um uh, uh colors and so yeah. on um yeah uh to sort of just really immerse people into the fact that we support everyone across the uk um we 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 have such a diverse group of people serving a diverse group of customers um and all of those great experiences you can see as you're walking around you know you walk around and speak to people around our our locations and yeah and, yeah yeah, yeah. And look, you are, I think it's a horrible thing to say, you're part of the LGBT plus community. You're a gay man. Um, but I'd love to talk a little bit about that because, um, you know, we still know that a lot of people don't feel comfortable bringing them their whole selves to work. Um, and I just wondered at what point in time did you feel comfortable talking about that at work was there a moment or were you always openly 
No, there was a moment um, I, I hadn't shared. I'd, I'd, I'd sort of come out to my friends and my family, but I hadn't come out to people at work. And um, and I do regret that, actually. Um, mm. Yeah, I do. Probably I was about, I don't know, I can't remember how old I was at the time when I, when I did come out, but um, I did regret it because there was no, I was really fortunate. There was no, there was, there was no sort of bad reaction to that, and I know there can be. Um, so I do feel quite humble by 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 that. Um, I do think there's obviously always things that we have to do, and the vote, you know, we have we always have to um, drive that agenda forward. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I for me it was about halfway through my career where I where I came out, and I haven't looked back since. Um, um, and I recently shared, you know, my own coming out story um, last, I think it was last year now, um, or early, yeah, I think it was last year. Or no, actually, maybe earlier this year, because um, I felt well, it was so important. Yeah, so I, but I, I, and across social media, so it was a time where I felt like it's, to celebrate National Coming Out Day, it was a really important, I think it was just really, it's just really important for me to share my experiences mm. and make it really clear to people that it you know for, for me um and for others actually being who you are and being who you are at your best um is so important and for us to be you know for me to support that and support mm. others is really important and i think if they people can see that that i'm comfortable in who i am and and what I do and what I can achieve that should give people mm. hope and, yeah you know, absolutely so so what did you do how how what is the story uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was really you know first of all I had to you know it was like um, I would say it's like an emotional roller coaster mm. um having to sort of tell my sister who was my closest you know one of is, is you know my one of my closest not only my sister but my closest friend um mm. so that was really that was the starting point um she, she was absolutely super positive um um it made that it made it much easier then for me to tell my parents and right. then my the rest of my family um it's that that initial that initial person you tell is so important I think it's so important because yeah. it gives you the comfort it does give you the confidence yeah. to that it's absolutely fine and normal um you know and I guess uh, you've got an ally haven't you and I yeah, think absolutely. so many people um whatever you do that's a big thing of course there's lots of people to tell but the first person the person who's kind of got your back and particularly if it is somebody in your family, somebody you're very close to, you know, it's important you ch- you make the right choice. And of course, you don't know how they're going to react themselves. But that relationship is so key. Yeah, ex- exactly. It gives you that confidence, you know, it gives you confidence in yourself and, um, and ultimately who, you know, you are who you are. So, you know, and nothing can change that. And how are your parents? um that yeah so they, they they were absolutely you know they're how are my parents now or how how were my parents? <laughs> how were they then <laughs> they, were <fine. laughs> they were fine and my mum cried my mum cried at the time um but I think that was more emotional just emo she could yeah. see the 
the impact it had had on me and I think she was yeah. just really upset about that um but 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 absolutely they were absolutely fine so no um, there was no drama there at all and then when you came to have the conversation at work how did that how did you do that um it wasn't like an abrupt it wasn't like a you know here I am and I'm a gay man or anything like that it didn't it wasn't quite like that it just became much more natural in conversation you know um, talking about my partner and talking about what we were doing and, and so on it just was it was just a much more natural conversation um than uh, than sort of announcing uh, announcing anything yeah, yeah, which is which is which is nice, isn't it? And I think, um, but it's still difficult. And you know, one of, again, one of the questions we spend a lot of time talking uh, at Let's Reset about is that authentic conversation and the balance between telling people the truth, telling people how you feel, telling people things that are you know quite personal, but also you don't have to share everything. And I wonder how that balance for you has grown and evolved. Yeah, you're right. Actually, it's um, I th- I think, but I also think the more that you sh- share, the more people share with you. You yep. know, so it's because it's the way you build trust, isn't it? So if you if you, uh, yeah, I've just and, and my dad, you know, my dad, my dad was a my dad worked in the police for thirty years. You know, so. Uh, I, le- I learn a lot from him in terms of how he he just gave me those words of wisdom, which is listen, listen really carefully to what people are saying, um, and l- look at how they're communicating that to you. You know, because you'll get a sense of are they concerned? Are they positive? Are they positive? Are they negative? Is there something going on? And then start to ask questions. But don't force, don't force that, force that if somebody doesn't want to answer you. Um, but I feel like if I share my, you know, to my point earlier, if I share my experiences and I'm confident in sharing, then what I've always found is that people reciprocate. Um, but recognising that if I do that and people don't, then I know I don't push that. You know, I, I won't push them to do that. But um but yeah, I don't know if I've answered your question actually. No, I, I think no, I think it's really important. And actually, you know, the framework that you, you know that we we talk a lot about um, is a framework of making time, talking, um, enabling people to share, but also not trying to fix. And yeah. I think one of the challenges, particularly when um, you know maybe it's a shared experience, sometimes that's really helpful. And I'm sure there's lots of people that get lots out of that. But, um, you know, we're not trained psychologists. You know, just because we've been through a life experience doesn't mean that we know how to help everyone. So signposting people sometimes is a really important thing to do. And I wonder whether you you still do that. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think that goes back to my point around it's like the importance of finding time to listen to people um to empathize where you can empathize you know and when you can't it's help them if they want to be helped you know to ask the question and signpost people into areas where they might find that help um but not to fit to your point not to fix um 
yeah. not to fix because I, I you know I'm I'm not trained to in some of those topics you know and uh, would never would never come across as being trained you know being trained. no of course but it's difficult isn't it because I think as leaders and it's I, I find it the most fascinating part in many ways it's our power of how are you workshop which we do and we I love it because I think naturally as leaders we spend so much of our careers fixing things or we know how to do stuff particularly if you've come through a specialism you can either signpost people to go right this is the course you do this is how you learn this is I can teach you this but it's a whole area now of kind of new learned behavior in many ways that feels weird you know that we that we need to even listen that we need to signpost that we don't naturally fix but we are learning skills around listening and behaving in very different ways. Yeah. Well, I think this goes back to what you said about finding, even finding time, you know, because actually the even that is a skill set, isn't it? To understand that actually it's really important that you find time to focus on yourself. I say it to sort of my team. It's like, it's so important because I can see where they're starting to get stressed um, through the way that they're coming, you know, through their actions and through the conversations I'm having with them. Mm-hmm. And I often put that down to, well, how have you spent any time this week just focusing on yourself? And we, and to your, I think to, to the conversations we've had, it's just resetting yourself or yeah. taking a break. Yeah. You know, so there are those some, some of those small, smaller techniques, which is just identifying that actually it's time that is yeah. impacting uh somebody's behavior um uh and causing them stress and and pain sometimes so yeah yeah i agree and i think it's um you're right there's no the the thing that we have even less of is time but actually if we could focus more on making that time and i the the leaders i really admire are the ones that can kind of loudly talk about the time they're spending on themselves so you know I love the fact that you said actually you know you do spend time on taking some time out and talking about that um but I wonder well, I was to say, you know like I've been really conscious that we've got into this sort of always you know always on world you know where you're just exposed whether it's your phone whether it's your you know whether it's your laptop whether it's your tv whether it's you know your alexa um it's you're you're constantly your brain is constantly going um and you can easily get distracted because there is so much going on around you so sometimes you as you say you've got to reflect self-reflect to understand actually this is distract this is all distracting me it's causing a problem. The only way I, some, the way that I can deal with this, either simply switching off my notifications on my phone yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. after a certain time, or yeah. finding a window in the day or in the week where you know you're at your best. I'm always at my best. I know that sort of in in the more you know towards sort of mid morning. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah perfect so I always work on those things that I know are a bit more complicated because I know I can that's when my focus is at its maximum um yeah. 
but as I think that's where you've got all we've got all we're exposed to so much that you know and I say I joke with my other half because I will say you know um, he'll be on his phone and he'll just get distracted I'll ask him to do something and he'll just get distracted I say have you done that and he went and you could just see it in his face he's just not done it <laughs> because something else has come in and yeah. he's just he's yeah. just totally distracted yeah. Um, I think I think it does demand such discipline, and I kind of like more discipline than ever I've ever known. Really, in you know, in my career, in my time, you know, and I think I'm pretty focused. And obviously, the work that I do here, you know, I love, and you know, the oyster catcher stuff too. But um, I really have to make sure. It's almost like my biggest post-it note, which is just don't get distracted. Be disciplined, set boundaries, and just follow them. Don't get, and I find also it's quite easy to do the easy stuff. So, you know, I love the fact, understanding when you worked at your best, you know, month time, whatever it is, is so critical because you need to free that time up. Otherwise, you just do Zoom calls, emails, stuff that's not that hard, but it's just very time consuming. Yeah, and, you sp- and you're just spreading yourself too thinly, you know? Yeah. So it's like, and you lose, when you spread yourself too thinly, you, know, you lose focus. I mean, I've known in my career, you know, when you start something, <laughs> you start something, but you start lots of different things. And then you don't finish any of <laughs> you, yes. you just carry on. You just carry on going. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And that happens, you know, there's, that happens a lot of people where they, they just start doing more things and then they don't finish it. No. Don't, you no. know, whereas actually if you really focus on those two or three really important things yeah. and remove the other distractions, You'll you'll feel much you'll a you'll achieve them yeah. and you'll achieve them much better than if you've got yeah. you know ten things that you're trying to handle at one time. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, and I find you know what with leaders, what um, you know, obviously a lot of marketing people, what really sets them apart are the people that can get stuff done, and I can. You know, it sounds very big of me. Oh, my God, listen to me. I don't mean you like this at all. But the number of people, CMOs in new roles, leaders, where particularly CMOs are because the shelf life is quite short. Mm-hmm. And you go, do you know what? You're really good. You're really talented. You're not going to make it because you can't make anything happen quick enough. And your focus is on the wrong thing. You know, you're not making your team work or you're not actually just getting stuff done. You're getting into all the stuff everyone's trying to make you do rather than lead your agenda. Yeah, you're right. And that's always, it's like I say, balancing short and long-term. It's really, you know, as a, as, you know, as a leader, you, 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 we're, you, you've got to have a, you know, a focus on the here and now and what's happening, you know, happening to the business and respond and act um and act quickly you know um but also have that eye on the long term to know that what you're doing now is not going to impact you know and it's and it and you're right it's it's balancing those two things sometimes we fail because we are too forward looking 
when we are too sky gazing, um, which often re requires bigger investment. And, and it's also an unknown. And especially yep. in today's world where, you know, with, with what happened with COVID, what's happening with the terrible things happening with Ukraine and all of what's impacting here and now, it's a, it's, it, of course, we've got to have an eye on the future, but we've got to balance more to the here and now because it's impacting us here and now. And, yeah. and that's where our focus has got to be. Yeah. And how do you, um, because I think what's really interesting for me at the moment is there's still a bit of a bubble in London, isn't there? You know, uh, for those not in London, uh, I know it's a little bit the same in parts of New York and some of the other countries. The restaurants are full. The coffee shops are full. People are still going out. People are still spending money. But you move away from some of these bigger cities and we're really seeing the impact. Do you know I spent quite a lot of time in Cornwall. Um, how do you balance that as a marketing team to really understand that difference? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we've got, you know, we've got sort of programmes that we have to really listen um, to consumers as well as to postmasters. So um, across the whole of the geography, um, to your point, so we're not centred into cities that perhaps maybe, um, as you describe, you know, where you see people eating out and spending money and so on. Um, but go out to those more rural communities where um, we know that, you know, my point earlier around, we know energy bills, you know, energy costs were going really, really high. That's impacted small businesses, large businesses, the smaller businesses are the ones that we have to focus on because they're the ones that don't have enough pocket, you know, no, enough cash in their pockets to be able to sustain their business. So we see, so the only way we can do that and know that is by speaking to them um, um, and having that real sort of um, geographical understanding of yeah. the differences um knowing parts of the obviously the uk different different parts of the uk have different businesses whether it's agriculture or manufacturing or so on um but really understanding the impact and the impact on their communities in terms of workforce because ultimately that impacts um you know post office you know postmasters yes. business as well yes yes it's yes. all it's all into we're you know it's all interconnected yeah. mm. Mm. And how, um, you know, look, the Royal Mail and the post office have been separate for so long, but still people get really confused. They kind of still link it together. Obviously, there's still a relationship. Does it really annoy you? <laughs> no, no not, not a lot annoys me, actually. <laughs> but you are right. Yeah. If a statistic one in two of the UK population uh, think the Royal Mail and post office are the same company. Um, so 50% of the population uh, think <laughs> we are, even though we've been um, separated for oh, certainly, you know, over 11 years now. Um, uh, but the Royal Mail are our biggest partner, you know, yes. and we have a really good, we have a really, you know, we are a partnership business. We work with many partners and Royal Mail are one of those partners. Um, and we have a, you know, and um at the end of the day, we have a, a customer that we're trying to serve. We have 
the same customer who we're both trying to serve and we're both trying to do the right thing for those customers and I think you know um, and that's what we really focus on um, um, and likewise when we're starting to work with other with other businesses such as Amazon and um, you know and and also when we work with all the major banks um, it's to sort of still surface the fact that there is we have we did we are serving the same customer at the same at the end of the day and we're trying to do the right thing um but it doesn't annoy me um you know i've always said you know that i always get asked the question you know should we need to you know we need to differentiate ourselves and often that people think oh that could be just that could be through changing of branding and various other things in the market um I would say it's a really, it's really hard, and certainly I don't think I will be able to achieve this, nor many other people, when a brand has existed for so long, yeah. um, and actually been together for so long, um, to change that mindset um, yeah. is 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 almost impossible to do. Yes. yes. Um, and again, so don't, don't go against you know to, exactly. not to go against it. It's actually to work, yeah, and benefit both businesses. Um, yes. At the end of the day, yeah. yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so you know, we do the seven needs of well-being and performance. We have covered your brilliant relationships because I know that's such a key critical part of what you do. Um, your your kind of sense of purpose. Um, Talk to me a little bit about creativity, about having, obviously creative is an important part of your job, but do you have a creative outlet outside work or within work that kind of gives you that extra um, stimulation? Um, it's, I, I always sort of, I, I mean, I love sort of different co- countries, different cultures. Um, you know, my, you know, my partner is Argentinian. Um, uh, I, I love sort of South America. I love, mm. I love Asia. I love, you know, I, I love understanding what's happening across the, across the world. Um, yeah. and what experiences people are having. And, ha- and the challenges they're having, looking at how brands are helping helping those consumers and those customers across different geographies. That gives me sort of that inspiration because mm. I often think it's sort of, you know, rather it, because post office is UK, let's say more obviously UK centric. Um, my point is in terms of creativity, I see it all over the world. And I see, and I see it in different geographies. And I mm. see, and, and whether that's you know what's trending on TikTok in Asia, trending, <laughs> it's 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 sort of keeping an eye on on that. Yeah. Uh, so not just within our own market. My point, not just within our own market, mm-hmm. but what's happening across the world and what trends are happening, and that's what I look at in terms of creativity. Mm. Uh, to see what's sticking yeah Yeah, that's a really interesting I love as you know I love travel um it's such a important part of our lives um but I like the perspective of and I guess having an Argentinian partner gives you that slightly different perspective so it's you know it's it's a kind of shared international feel yeah absolutely spot on um so what's your next reset Oh, that's a good one. Um, 
I think we're at a really. Uh, uh, I've got nothing on the horizon yet. Actually, it's. I th I'm thinking. You know, we're at a really sort of. Um, at post office, we've we've got some exciting opportunities ahead of us, um, and I think you mentioned. You know, you mentioned the the Royal Mail. Um, you know, sometimes the Royal Mail confusion. Um, we're looking at our propositions. We're expanding our propositions. Um, we're looking at you know what we can do in terms of different serving different customers and serving them better. Um, whether that be business customers or you know um, uh, sort of um, vulnerable customers. Um, and I and I think we're at a really exciting time in our history um, with all the trends. You know, with whether it be the digital trend. Um, um, business transformation, etc., and I really want to be part of that. Um, as I say, and I love working for such an iconic brand. So I don't. So in in terms of reset, I don't think sort of professionally, just quite just yet. Um, as I say, because I'm quite excited by by the mm -hmm. post office and the post office of the future. Um, and then I don't know what would be next. Um, uh, but I think, but you know, as you said, I think it's around that evolving, isn't it? And, you know, one of the conversations that I have so often with my mentees, with the youngsters working with us, is there are two things that take time. One is your career and the other is your big relationship maybe in your life, but relationships in general. And yeah. I think, you know, remembering that is so important. And when you've got those moments in time where you think, Do you know what? exciting things are going to happen um you you need the time for it don't you yeah well that's the same like you know when you're if i'm in tune with my motivation you know and i think that's the thing is like when i know my motivation is high and i'm really happy and i'm happy in both my personal life and my professional life i want more of that you know and and so i don't i don't see oh, I, don't, I don't necessarily need to change it not to say that in 18 months time I, I'll probably think I've achieved everything that I set out to achieve and and I feel maybe my motivation starting to dip then it's a sign for me that I need to think about well what's next yeah and where and am I going and evolving yeah. absolutely absolutely um and then just finally I'm really uh interested in how you're working flexibly with your team you know we've talked a lot about getting people back into the office, working from home. How's it working with you and your team post office? Um, I, I've got sort of the team, the team, are, the team have got a really good balance. I would say um, it's up to every, it's up to the team. It's up to every, sorry, let me get my words out here. Um, every individual has the responsibility to know where they are at their best um, and what makes them productive. And, that is both their environment um, as well as things like we've just talked about in terms of career development. But when it comes to environment, um, I'm always really clear. Um, it doesn't matter where you are. It's it's what you do and it's how you do it. <laughs> and you can do what you do and you can be you can work in a, your local coffee shop if that's where you feel you're going to be. You know, you need to get your head down. You don't you need no distraction. Um, you know, you choose your, the environment you think that is best for that. Um, but there are also those that there are those um, 
tasks, let's say, and those activities that actually coming together, um, being in a, whether that's in an office or in another environment, but actually coming together and coming to, to talk about innovation or creativity or anything else is much more conducive when you're in person. So we flex. So it just, I think, I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm answering your question is we adapt and we adapt based upon the activities that we are trying to achieve. Um, yeah. So not, we don't, certainly I don't force um, uh, people into a work pattern or a work environment where um, it would be inconducive to, the, to mm. their success. Mm-hmm. which is good but I think I still think getting people together is so important it is so way so many of us have forgotten how important it is and we've you know we're doing many more workshops face to face again now and actually I mean it's quite a different dynamic we have to work differently but some of them are so powerful it's such an amazing thing to do but equally we can have workshops where you've got you know, lots of people online and you can do things really quickly. But every time we do things face-to-face, the feedback is, do you know what? I'd forgotten how lovely that is. Yeah, no, you're right. You're totally right. And I say, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're, when you come together face-to-face and you're talking about, they could be, you know, it could be really significant topics or you could be trying to find a really great, some, great opportunities if you feel to get together that actually coming together to talk about that you'll achieve more then it's so important to do it you know and then my point my point is like if you know on the flip of that that you've got a, a analytical report that you have to write and you need to get your head down and you know and you need you can't you know you don't want to be at that point earlier on being distracted then you need an environment that can support you in that and but having the having those having those different you know those different environments is really really important uh yeah yeah i agree i agree well we're coming up to easter um so what are you going to do over easter other than eat chocolate oh, i'm a, i'm a really bad at are eating you? chocolate are you a chocolate dark or light Oh, I love, I don't mind actually. To be honest, any chocolate. I have this really big thing for cab, giant Cadbury's buttons. Um, you know, so I don't know why. It's just <laughs> my son does as well. Sam absolutely loves them. Just love them. I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm addicted to them, but um, I've had to. I've had to curb my consumption of them. Uh, but. Um, yeah, no, I think it, for me, just Easter is just about spending time with, you know, um, uh, friends and family and, and so on. It's so important um, to, you know, focus on, uh, focus on, focus on sort of friends and family at that time. So, um, Good. and well, then try and, yeah. Yeah, well, look, have a lovely time doing that. It is always so lovely to talk to you. Thank you for speaking so openly about some of the things you're doing. I know we share such a passion for, building teams, for putting well-being, linking to performance, um, but also your passion for running iconic brands and making a difference is just so lovely to hear. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Suki. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. 
I wanted to end our podcast today with a little postscript, which was a conversation David and I had after we'd finished our basic conversation. And I think it just gives you an insight into the fact that you don't have to be an outgoing, highly extrovert leader, particularly as a marketeer, in order to be a person that people want to follow, engage with and learn from. So I hope you enjoyed this little postscript today. If you did, please share it with your colleagues and friends. Thank you very much. Is that okay? It's lovely. Yeah, really lovely. You're such a lovely person to talk to. Oh, really? Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you have a lovely voice. You're so gentle and smart and just kind of, you know, you, you always feel like a warm hug. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, I just, I do get that. You know, I'm just, a, I'm just one of those sort of really humble people, um, you know, and uh, I, I sometimes don't, I know I always get this feedback. I don't come across sometimes as I undersell myself sometimes, I think. And, uh... <laughs> well, you're just not your classic thrusting CMO. Let me tell you about myself. Let me be out there. Um, and you're not introverted, but it's it's a different type of personality characteristic, for, often for marketeers. And I think it's really refreshing because, oh, thank you. you know, not everyone, you don't have to be a really outgoing, full on, let me tell you how amazing person I am to be a really good leader and to make yeah. it. Well, you're spot on, you know, we, we had our engagement results and, uh, uh, there were some leadership sort of questions and, uh, you know, like confident, you know, those things around the, the level of confidence you have. Do you feel like you, you, you know, you're, they're treated fairly. Do you feel like you've got an open, um, I was so proud. I was, it's like, you know, plus 25 plus 20 versus the rest, you know, the bet, you know, the benchmarks, um, uh, I don't just put that in myself. I put that in the rest, of, you know, the rest of the marketing lead team. But uh, it sort of proved to me, to some degree, that what the cult, you know, not the culture because it's sort of, but you more the way we work is and uh, and the openness and you know that the, the environment we've you know I've I've created and the team have created is is you know people are people love being part of and that's. Uh, I just feel so proud. And I think that's so good because it's so important to hear those stories. I find it deeply frustrating that so many businesses are still run by, you know, those sort of very old fashioned leaders that are aggressive and difficult and, you know, they seem to be successful. And we want more stories of people who are successful in lovely ways. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed Reset the Podcast, I'd love it if you would forward it to your work colleagues, friends and family. Reset the Podcast is a Let's Reset and Advertising Week global production. Executive producer is Richard Larson, with me Suki Thompson. Thanks to our sponsor Liars Non-Alcoholic Spirits and voiceover artist Talitha Penny. Music provided by Audio Network.